0: The following podcast is based on actual X Files cases.
1: Leonard Trimble?
2: No, it's Fred Astaire.
1: Come on, killer. We know that you've refused all efforts at rehabilitation. You've even refused to be fitted with prosthetic limbs. Big deal. Maybe I don't want any of that crap. Maybe because you don't need it. Because you can leave your body anytime you want. Kill anybody you want to kill.
3: We know you weren't acting alone, Quinton. We know you had an accomplice. How
1: did you do
3: it, Quinton? Come on, killer. Do it.
2: I didn't kill anybody. I'm just the mailman. Come on, killer. Do it. <gunshot> Rappos, mailman. And if you're through questioning, me, I'd like to get a little shut eye. No sleepwalking. Okay? That's good. I haven't heard that one yet. Hardy, har, har.
4: Back to X-Files Truth. Today's file is The Walk. X-File number classified. The plot. At a VA hospital in Fort Evanston, Maryland, Lieutenant Colonel Victor Stans makes his third suicide attempt. He claims that a mysterious figure will not let him die. Stans attempts to drown in a tub of scalding water, but is rescued by the hospital staff. When Mulder and Scully question Stans, they discover that his wife and children died in a house fire he believes was started by the mysterious soldier he says will not allow him to die himself. Captain Janet Draper stops the questioning as Mulder and Scully were not granted permission to see Stans by his superior officer, General Thomas Callahan. After meeting with the agents, Callahan glimpses the phantom soldier Stans described. He also finds his answering machine replaying an unintelligible message.
2: It just comes on. The phone wasn't even ringing. At first I thought it was a prank.
1: Did you save the other No, I erased them.
4: While using the base's swimming pool, Draper is killed by an invisible force. Her death is attributed to drowning, but Mulder reports that no one was seen entering or leaving the pool. Callahan tells the agents about the soldier and the voicemail, which was received twice at his home. When they visit Callahan's house, his young son Trevor believes he saw someone enter the house. Scully catches a glimpse of someone in the backyard. Fingerprints are found on the property, which belong to the hospital mailman, Quentin Roach Freely. As Mulder and Scully take Roach into custody, Trevor is attacked and killed by the invisible force in his sandbox. Under the agent's questioning, Roach admits to his role in the deaths and states that he is Rappo's mailman.
3: We have enough evidence to place you at each of the crime scenes. In addition to accessory to murder, you're looking at conspiracy, breaking and entering, commission of a felony on federal property. You get a
1: cigarette? No.
3: We know you weren't acting alone, Quentin. We know you had an accomplice. How did he
1: do it, Quentin? I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. How did he get past the guard? How did he kill him? Trevor was only eight years old.
2: I don't know. I didn't kill anybody. I'm just the mailman.
1: What does that mean? You're just a mailman.
4: Rappo's mailman. Rappo turns out to be Leonard Trimble, a quadruple amputee Gulf War veteran. Scully doesn't believe Roach, even though he insists that Rappo will kill him next. Scully later finds Roach dead in his cell with a bedsheet shoved down his throat. Scully assumes that Roach committed suicide, but Mulder shows her x-ray dental plates he carried in the rehab room, the swimming pool, Callahan's office and Callahan's house. All of them show signs of radiation. Mulder thinks that Rappo is leaving his body through astral projection, doing so with a connection forged through Roach's letters. He also plays the voicemail backwards, and it's actually a warning from the Phantom Soldier. Under questioning, the embittered Rappo states his belief that the Gulf War took his life away,
2: Leonard Tremble? No, it's Fred Astaire.
3: Mr. Tremble, we'd like to ask you a few questions about Quentin Freely.
2: Roach? Well, what's he done now? He's dead. Yeah. Well, serves him right. How's that? How's that? Oh, he's only the guy who turned me into second base by getting my arms and legs blown off. <laughs> Other than that, he was a real good guy. Then why'd you kill him? What's wrong with this picture?
1: We read your medical records, Leonard. We know that you've refused all efforts at rehabilitation. You've even refused to be fitted with prosthetic limbs. Big deal. Maybe I don't want any of that crap. Maybe because you don't need it. Because you can leave your body anytime you want. Kill anybody you want to kill.
2: If I could leave my body right now, I could think of something else
1: I'd rather. be do Like kill General Callahan's boy, Lieutenant Colonel Stans's family, Sergeant Aiklin.
2: You're a real trip.
1: Oh, I'm a trip? Because I figured you out? You're a soldier. You knew what you were getting into when you enlisted. Now you want to blame everybody else. Why you want to blame your COs? I
2: blame them for what happened to all of us.
1: You don't know what it was like.
2: <laughs> you, you sat at home and watched the war on cable TV like it was a damn video game. You had no idea about the guys that died, about the blood and the sand, what it feels like when a hit comes. The thing is, you just don't care, do you? You got your crude oil. Just change that station, right? Killer got his prime time, LC got his fancy little medals. Now take a good look at me. What did I get? Nobody knows how I feel. They took my life away. Hmm. So you took theirs? If I only could. Now if you're through questioning me, I'd like to get a little shut-eye. No sleepwalking. That's good. I haven't heard that one yet. Hardy har har.
4: <laughs> Meanwhile, Callahan finds his wife's dead body. He goes to the hospital to talk to Stans, who reveals that Rappo, whom he doesn't know, is responsible for the deaths. When Callahan confronts Rappo, he openly admits the crimes. Rappo tries to goad Callahan into killing him, but Callahan decides to stand down, shooting over Rappo's head.
2: General Callahan, sir! I've been waiting for you. Who are you? One of your boys, General. You killed my wife. That's right, sir, I did. And the boy, too. Come on, kill her. Come on, Killer Callahan, get some, get some! Come on, Killer, do it! Fire it, will! Come on, Killer, do it! Come on, Killer, you can do better than that! Come
1: on! You're gonna suffer like the rest of us.
2: Oh, you think I'm gonna let it end this way? Do you? Is that what you think?
4: Mulder and Scully arrive and find Rappo in a trance. Mulder realizes what is happening and tries to find Callahan. Rappo's apparition attacks Callahan with steam from pipes in the hospital's basement. Stans enters Rappo's room, locks the door, and smothers Rappo with a pillow. With Rappo dead, his apparition disappears before it attacks Mulder. Callahan remains unharmed. Since there's no physical evidence to prove that Rappo killed Callahan's wife and son, the case remains unsolved. Mulder's narration wraps up the case.
1: No physical evidence was found linking Leonard Trimble to the deaths of General Callahan's wife and son. Officially, the investigation remains open, the murders unsolved. Leonard Trimble's family requested his burial at Arlington National Cemetery. The army denied this request. Trimble was cremated, his ashes interred at a civilian cemetery in Tannersville, Pennsylvania. Leonard Trimble's mission was not to kill his enemies, but to shatter their lives, to keep them alive, to suffer the pain that he felt, to see the view from his wheelchair. Amputees sometimes feel the pain of phantom limbs, ghosts of hands still clenching, legs still aching. Is it not possible that Trimble developed a phantom soul, a malevolent psyche that took its violent revenge on those he held accountable? It was war that destroyed Leonard Trimble's body, but his wounds went deeper than the loss of his limbs. What destroyed those parts of him that make us human beings? Those better angels of our nature? I cannot say.
4: walk is okay. It's a little better than I remembered again. And I guess I'd say the saving graces of this episode are Mark Snow's music and a really good acting job by uh, Rappo. On the Mythometer, the walk is definitely a monster of the week. And a pretty good example of what a monster of the week is. For the sequelizer, I would say the walk has a low potential for a sequel because Rappo is dead. Although I suppose you could kind of transfer that ability to somebody else but it would has it has a low potential for a sequel my 1 to 10 rating compared to the monster of the weeks uh, this is probably a little below average it's okay like I said it's maybe a six something like that compared to all shows on TV I'd probably give it more like uh, an eight, eight 8.5 think compared to all other X files it's probably more like a five so pending any further evidence, this case, the walk is filed unsolved. Now let's hand it off to Chelsea down in the chem lab and see what she has for the chemistry between Mulder and Scully for the walk. Addendum to field report. As I played the colonel's original answering machine message backwards on my computer... I noticed that it sounded slightly different from the one that plays to Scully when they discuss backward masking. So I compared them. The clip that plays to Scully has Rappo saying, your time has come killer, your time has come. But when I reverse that clip on my computer, Rappo's voice isn't there. There is a voice that actually is backward masked into the original clip, but you have to listen very carefully to interpret it. I'll play all three clips for you now. The first clip will be the original file from the Colonel's answering machine. The second clip will be the file that Mulder plays to Scully, the one that has Rappo's voice in it. The third clip is the original file, but I reversed it, and you'll need to listen very carefully on that one, but you can hear an actual backwards masked voice in there saying your time has come, killer, your time has come, but it's there. So. To help you pick it up, the voice is kind of a whispery male voice, and it starts about seven seconds into the clip, and it will repeat that sentence a few times. My theory is that the producers of the episode put the original version in, but decided that the voice was too unintelligible for the viewer, so they made it easier by just playing the clip backwards, and then adding a non-backwards masked voice to it. So here are the three clips. The first one is the original file from the Colonel's answering machine. The clip that Mulder plays to Scully, the one with Rappo's voice in it.
1: You know anything about backwards masking?
5: Maybe messages recorded backwards in songs?
1: Yeah, or on the General's answering machine. Check this out.
4: And here's the third clip. The original file that I reversed. And remember, it's about seven seconds in where you'll start to hear the voice. And it actually sounds like he's saying, Your time is up, killer. And now let's hand it off to Chelsea.
5: Agent Chelsea here. This week's episode is The Walk. Not too much Mulder and Scully in this episode, so this will be a quick one. Now Mulder and Scully are no strangers to imposing themselves in a place where they aren't wanted. However, usually it's Mulder fighting to get in. This time it's Scully. When they are told to leave, Scully really fights it. I think her father being involved in a similar world, she felt like she could work with them on their lingo. Well, sorry, that's our protocol. She even fights back with the general. Now, why is she fighting so hard? Surely she doesn't believe in Mulder's theories enough to fight this much. Nope, she's more focused on the family's murders. After the captain is murdered, Mulder is talking about unexplained phenomenon, as usual, when the general comes up and asks what he's talking about. Scully's face honestly looks like she's thinking... Oh, no. Here we go. We're going to get chewed out and thrown off this case. But the general actually starts talking about the weird things he's seen and the phone calls he's been receiving. All right, Scully, I guess you're still in the case. Mulder and Scully really get fired up about this case. They don't do well when more and more murders keep happening while they're trying to solve the case. And this is just one of those cases. People are dropping left and right. Once Mulder figures out that Rappo was the one doing all this, he confronts him, completely unafraid. He knows he did it and he's not afraid to tell him, no matter how crazy it sounds. Now Scully doesn't quite believe it, but she's seen enough and believes in Mulder enough to feel like somehow he's a part of it. Mulder tries to confront Rappo and save the general, while Scully tries to control Rappo medically. He's not responding to anything she's giving him though. The colonel, since he knows who's doing all this to him, decides to take matters into his own hands, and Scully watches him through a locked door, suffocating him. She's visibly shaken after he's done. I think it's interesting that Mulder gets the final monologue, because I felt more from Scully in this episode. I wanted to know her final thoughts, and what she thought happened. We all knew what Mulder's thoughts were, but... Overall, I would give this episode a 3.5 out of 5. Average episode, I thought it was an interesting story and you felt for the characters, but I kind of wanted to get to know them more. I also wanted to know why Stella was so aggressive. If that was how it was written, or did Jillian just take that direction on her own? What are your thoughts? Let us know at xfilestruth at live.com. Counterintelligence. Inside information.
0: This is Agent Stone with Counterintelligence. With X3.7, The Walk. Original air date, November 10, 1995. Written by John Scheiben. Directed by Rob Bowman. You sat home and watched the war on cable TV like it was a damn video game. Basically, what we have here is military cover-ups and astral projection. Mulder says, practitioners claim that during a self-hypnotic trance, the astral body actually detaches itself and can float virtually anywhere, sometimes invisible, but sometimes appearing as an apparition. Astral projection, or astral travel is an interpretation of -of out-of-body experiences that assumes the existence of an astral body separate from the physical body and capable of traveling outside it astral projection or travel denotes the astral body leaving the physical body to travel in the astral plane the idea of astral travel is rooted in common worldwide religion accounts of the afterlife in which the consciousness or soul's journey or ascent is described in such terms as an out-of-body experience wherein the spiritual traveler leaves the physical body and travels in his or her subtle body or dream body or astral body into higher realms. It is therefore associated with near-death experiences and is also frequently reported as spontaneously experienced in association with sleep and dreams, illness, surgical operations, drug experiences, sleep paralysis, and forms of medication. It is sometimes attempted out of curiosity, or may be believed to be a necessity to, or the result of, some forms of spiritual practice. It may involve travel to higher realms, called astral planes, but is commonly used to describe any sensation of being quote-unquote out of the body in the everyday world, even seeing one's body from outside or above. It may be reported, in the form of an apparitional experience, a supposed encounter with a doppelganger, some living person also seen somewhere else at the same time. Through the 1960s and 1970s, surveys reported percentages ranging from 8% to as many as 50% in certain groups of respondents who state that they had such an experience. The subjective nature of the experience permits explanations that do not rely on the existence of an astral body or plane. The theme is treated in anthropological or ethnographic literature on witchcraft and shamanism, in classical philosophy and in various myths and religious scriptures. You may have heard of the men who stare at goats, which from 2004 is a book by John Ronson about the U.S. Army's exploration of New Age concepts and the potential military applications of the paranormal. The title refers to attempts to kill goats by staring at them. Research was carried out in part by John Ronson, but also by documentary filmmaker John Sargent. The book examines connections between military programs and psychological techniques being used for interrogation in the War on Terror. The book traces the evolution of these covert activities over the previous three decades and analyzes how they persisted within U.S. Homeland Security and the Iraq War. It examines the use of the theme tuned to Barney and Friends on Iraqi prisoners of war, the smuggling of hundred depleted goats into the Special Forces Command Center at Fort Bragg, North Carolina, and the connection between the U.S. military and the mass suicide of members of the Heaven's Gate cult in San Diego. The book accompanies a three-part TV series broadcast on Channel 4 in Britain, Crazy Rulers of the World. The three parts were titled The Men Who Stare at Goats, Funny Torture, and The Psychic Foot Soldiers, respectively. The idea of the project was to explore the apparent madness at the heart of U.S. military intelligence. The series discusses and includes members of Psychological Operations, First Earth Battalion, and also discusses Project MK Ultra and Frank Olson, including interviews with his son Eric Olson. A film loosely based on the book starring George Clooney was released in autumn two thousand nine by Winchester Films, BBC Films, and Mandate Pictures. Grant Heslov directed from a script by Peter Strahan. Ewan McGregor, Kevin Spacey, Jeff Bridges, and Robert Patrick starred opposite Clooney. The movie is set in Iraq and filmed in Comerio Street, Bayamon, Puerto Rico, and the New Mexico Military Institute, and centers on Bob Wilton, a desperate reporter who stumbles upon the story of a lifetime when he meets Lynn Cassidy, who claims to be a former secret U.S. military psychic soldier reactivated post 9 11. Bridges plays Bill Django, the founder of the psychic soldier program, and Lynn's mentor. Spacey plays Larry Hooper, a former psychic soldier who is running a prison camp in Iraq. Ronson dedicated his book to filmmaker John Sargent, who worked intensely through 2003 and 4 on the original documentary, and Ronson included an afterword commending Sargent's research and guidance. The film is prefaced with a title card reading, More of this is truer than you would believe. The DVD release of The Men Who Stare at Goats includes a bonus documentary featuring Ronson and many of the people who figure prominently in his book. Psychological warfare, Psywar, or the basic aspects of modern psychological operations, or a psyop, have been known by many other names or terms, including psyops, political warfare, hearts and minds, and propaganda. Various techniques are used by any set of groups and aim to influence a target audience's value systems, belief systems, emotions, motives, reasoning, or behavior. It is used to induce confessions or reinforce attitudes and behaviors favorable to the originator's objectives and are sometimes combined with black operations, black ops, or false flag tactics. Target audiences can be governments, organizations, groups, and individuals. Military and government cover-ups have been going on since, well, the beginning of any military and any government, but in the time of the so-called War on Terror, it seems as if lies and cover-ups continue to happen on a daily basis. Take the current political-military climate and fear we are constantly living in, Eric Holder's ongoing lies, the speculation on the Boston bombings, the legitimacy of the Bin Laden death and the cover-up behind it, the truth behind the legitimacy and whereabouts of the Obama birth certificate, what Cheney, Rumsfeld, and others really know about the events surrounding 9-11, the Oklahoma City bombings, the assassinations of MLK, JFK, and Robert Kennedy, the Gulf of Tonkin, Watergate, Archduke Ferdinand, Operation Paperclip, Majestic 12, Operation Blue Book, NASA, Mount Rushmore, GMO and Monsanto, chemtrails, vaccinations, eugenics, Bilderberg, and the New World Order, the secret origins of the United States, and yes, even astral projection in the military. I highly suggest and encourage everyone to dig deeper and find out the truths about all these subjects and much more. Take Napolitano's words and use them to work against them by if you see something, say something about lies, injustices, cover-ups and please always question and ask what and why and find out as much information as you can because as they say this is an info war that we are in for now I'd say that this episode is true so the final word on the walk sometimes the only sane response to an insane world is insanity
2: I think you It's not safe in here I feel a weakness coming on
1: What's going on out there?
5: What's out there for the walk? First review I have for you today is from Munchkin. This one had five stars written all over it by the middle of Act One. And I'm not referring to the general stars. Once again, The X-Files does what it does best. Take people on the edge of our world and drag them before our noses, forcing us to look at them with compassion and dread inextricably mixed. In this case, The Walk by John Chabon, presenting his first X-Files script, gets up close and personal with the anguish and pain of disabled veterans. Of course, elements of it were familiar. We've seen veterans of other equally ugly little political wars in Sleepless, and seen astral projection in Alexius' Day. But what makes The Walk stand out is the sympathy and fervor Siobhan brings to his subject. We can feel the anger simmering in Rappo, the stern ridicule of the General, the despair and agony of the boiled Colonel. And this, not last week's Too Shy, was the episode where Scully kicked butt. Scully's no-nonsense assertion of her authority before Captain Draper, and later the General, showed a new level of strength and self-confidence in her. This sounds like a Dana Scully who has been to hell and back and has the scars to prove it. She's not taking any dictatorial nonsense from anyone as minor as a general. No siree. Not when she has faced down human lightning rods and fat-sucking vampires. I have not been as impressed with an episode of The X-Files in more than six months as I was with this one. It also made me wish I had not graded some other episodes as highly as I did in this season in order to more clearly stress the overall excellence of the walk. Wow. So, when I read this review, I was really shocked to hear such praise. Not because this was a bad episode or anything, but um, I didn't think it stood out that much. um, Enough to maybe kind of be the best, not maybe best over the season, but best over the last few of the season. It had a great storyline and and everything I just didn't know it I just didn't think it stood out quite as much. The next review I have for you is from Unwelcome Commentary. Not since the season premiere has the show's major budget hike been so evident. The makeup effects for the burned war vet are great, while both visual effects scenes made for most memorable parts of the episode. The swimming pool attack, love the shadows in the ceiling, and Callahan's son drowned in sand. If anything, it's a little disappointing that the rest of the episode was so beneath the quality of those two moments. The ideas raised are intriguing, but the execution is frankly a little dull. It doesn't help that some of the guest star work is more than a little melodramatic, while there aren't exactly any real surprises over the identity of the villain. I noticed that Scully was a lot more proactive and aggressive this episode, so much that she almost drowned Mulder out in some scenes. It was fun to watch, but odd that a case where she really took charge ended with a Mulder V.O. sequence full of his usual pretensions. Not particularly memorable as an episode, and with a pace that drags, the walk does at least feature special effects moments. I'm guessing this was a case of shiny visuals used to distract from a, eh, script. Rating C+. Now, I hate to say it, but this review actually very much said kind of what I said in my review. Intriguing, and I don't I don't necessarily agree with the execution being very dull, but I just don't think it was super memorable. And I found it kind of odd with Scully being so upfront in the episode with it ending with Mulder's monologue and whatnot. Um, but like you said, the special effects were great, and... Um, And I kind of gave it a C-plus rating as well. So this review definitely agreed a lot with what I was saying. All right, guys, that's what's out there for the walk. Character Profiles Profiles in Character
0: This week's profile, Sergeant Leonard Rappo Trimble, as portrayed by Ian Tracy from this week's featured episode, The Walk. Rappo is a quadruple amputee at the Fort Evanston Military Hospital in Maryland who was wounded by friendly fire during the Persian Gulf War. We meet Trimble during a therapy group as Mulder and Scully question Captain Janet Draper. Trimble is angry, saying that they're not normal and there's no way the therapist can know how he feels. He's then led back to his room by Roach, the orderly. Lieutenant Colonel Stans had talked about a presence looking like a soldier that killed his family which continues to torment him. General Callahan... Thought to be protecting his men, hears the ghostly voice that previously spoke to Sands, saying your time has come, and eerie sounds emanating from his answering machine. The general's son Trevor sees the shadow at their home and hears the same eerie sounds, while back at the hospital, Roach tells Rappo he won't help him anymore. Roach soon seemingly rats out Rappo by pointing towards him who is twitching as if in some kind of trance. Mulder soon feels that Rappo is practicing some form of astral projection, noting that the astral body is said to have greater strength than the corporeal one. Acting as the mailman, Roach acquired objects for Rappo to establish a link to a place. When confronted by Mulder, Rappo laughs off the charges of him being the murderer. Callahan confronts Rappo, who acknowledges killing his wife, and the boy, too, and urges the general to shoot him. The general flees to the basement, and as Mulder is catapulted across the room by a presence, Stans locks himself in Rappo's room, forcing a pillow over the amputee's face and suffocate him while his spirit was outside of his body. And as Rappo dies, the human-shaped presence disappears. No physical evidence linked Rappo to the deaths, but his family's request for burial in Arlington National Cemetery has been denied. Mulder's voiceover continues, What destroyed those parts of him that make us human beings, those better angels of our nature, I cannot say. Trimble's remains were cremated and his ashes interred at Tannersville, Pennsylvania graveyard. Ian Tracy was born June 26, 1964 in Vancouver Island, British Columbia, Canada. He has been seen most recently in Rogue and Bates Motel, but as a journeyman character actor since the late 70s, you may have seen him in recurring guest roles on such shows as 21 Jump Street and its spin-off Booker, Sweating Bullets, The Commish, Da Vinci's Inquest, and over a hundred other movie and TV titles.
5: Have you checked your email?
1: I found these in my email this morning.
4: And now the female with the emails, Agent Chelsea.
5: And let's get into our feedback. First we got an email from one of our favorite listeners. Hello agents, really enjoyed your take on the episode Too Shy. Never had really given thought to Encanto starting to look like the monster he really was at the end of as Shadow pointed out, but thought it was an excellent observation. One thing I do have to mention about the Too Shy podcast, however, is that that the sound. I found I was adjusting the volume a lot between Agent Stone and Chelsea's stuff, but was happy to do so with all the great info. Chelsea gave some wonderful insight from the female perspective, which was needed for this episode, and enjoyed Stone's background information. The new segment from the listener was enjoyable, too. Looking forward to the new episode. Lil. Thank you so much again, Lil, for writing in. Um, I think, yeah, Agent Shadow made an excellent observation, and thank you for uh, liking Agent Stone and mine's perspective and background information. Um, in regards to the sound, it's probably my fault. My microphone hasn't been working quite as well lately, so sometimes I've been just resorting to using the mic on my laptop, which tends to be a little iffy i'm very rough when it comes to knowing garage band and whatnot so i tend to kind of just go for it (laughs) and i feel bad shadow has to actually fix a lot of my sound so um big kudos to him because he does a lot of work on that but i'm sure he'll do some adjusting with this and so glad you're looking forward to the next episode i hope you all enjoy if you guys want to send an email just like this, go ahead and send it to xfilestruth live.com. We can read it on the air, or we can just respond to you and not read it if you're not comfortable with that. Um, you can also go to our Facebook page, search X-Files Truth, and like our page. There we post all kinds of news that we don't really get to mention too much on the show, and we also post when we post a new episode and any news that we have there. So feel free to check that out. Also, you can leave us an iTunes review, rate us out of five stars, and let everyone know why they should listen to our podcast. Um, This really helps us getting at the top of the list of X-Files podcasts so we get more listeners and more people to join in on the fandom. Also, you can go to our website, which is xfilestruth.com, I highly recommend you look at this page because it has all the information that we mention in the podcast as well as links to other websites that we mention, songs that we play, and really it's just a ton of fun. And we hope you guys will let us know how you like the podcast or the episode. Hope to hear from you soon.
0: Next time on X-Files Truth... While Agent Mulder protects a suspect in a kidnapping case who simultaneously manifests the experiences of the abductor's latest victim, Scully insists that this psychic bond may actually point to the woman's role in the crime.
1: Lots of files.
5: Lots and lots of files.
1: Files
3: from X-Files. Greetings, agents. Hello from Dublin. Firstly, can I give a shout-out of thanks to all of you involved in the podcast. I really appreciate all the work that you do for the fans and the community, so thank you. Like Agent Angela, I've been a fan of this show since the pilot back in the 90s. For the first couple of seasons, it was pretty much the main show that most people in school were talking about. There were parodies on the radio and so on. Then, of course, people's interest tended to drop off after a couple of seasons, mainly, I think, due to the perception. It was becoming boring, convoluted, etc. Anyway, uh, back then, of course, we had to tape episodes on VHS, and I remember jumping up from the sofa and trying to cut out ads. I think ultimately you'd squeeze about four episodes onto a standard VHS tape, and I kept those tapes for a pretty long time before the DVD concept caught on. In 1998 we got our first family computer, and it was at this point I discovered online communities through the wonders of a dial-up internet connection, and since then I've been involved in the online fan base, which has been a great experience. Uh, Throughout my school years I kept following the show, but I did miss a couple of episodes because scheduling wasn't always reliable or else exams got in the way. As you can imagine, I got a huge surprise when I saw Postmodern Prometheus and Bad Blood on DVD, as I had missed those episodes the first time around. They were very, very different. Why do I like the show? Well, it's the writing, it's the drama, it's the humour, the mystery, the creepy parts, the atmosphere, the locations... And also, I think that it didn't talk down to its audience. The banter, and of course, the characters. Naturally enough, like many, I wanted to be an FBI agent and visit the J. Edgar Hoover Hoover building. All of those things. My relationship with the show now? Well, your podcast is probably the main way of keeping my interest alive. I still have a couple of X-Fans posters, books, and all of the DVDs. I'm really long overdue for a rewatch, and unfortunately it's been several years since I've done this. However, The X-Files has and will always be my number one show. For now, agents, take care and all the best. Thank you.
4: Okay, thanks, Agent Barry. That was excellent to hear your story of how you became an X-Files fan and some stuff associated with that. If anybody else wants to send in an MP3, of how they became an X-Files fan or anything else X-Files related you can use a program like Audacity I believe Barry used that I use it and you can download that for free I believe at audacity.com or if you use a Mac GarageBand you can use that there's other programs too you can use but just record yourself a couple minutes of talking about how you became an X-Files fan or anything else X-Files related and then just save it as an mp3 and attach it as a file and email it to us at xfilestruth And we'll put it on the next Files from X-Files segment. Also, we got a suggestion from an anonymous emailer suggesting that we put up a donations page because they wanted to send money. So we really appreciate that. I have put up a donations page at xfilestruth.com. We've never asked for donations in the past, so feel free to send a couple bucks if you want to go over there and click on the donations page at the top of the page. But the best thing you could do for us probably is just leave us a review at iTunes. That helps us the most. We love the emails you guys send us and everything, the comments you put on uh, the website and social media and all that. But it actually does help us the most at iTunes to have um, reviews and ratings over there because they'll rank us higher the more we get. So. Again, we really appreciate everything you guys do for us. And finally, I would like to apologize for the Too Shy episode. It was really noisy. I think Stone and Chelsea both had wardrobe malfunctions with their microphones last week. It doesn't happen all the time, but I do try to clean up the files. But sometimes files are either too noisy or too damaged or whatever to clean up fully so i'm going to remaster the too shy episode when i get some free time hopefully coming up soon so you guys can look for a cleaner uh, less noisy version of too shy that'll take a while it'll be almost like rebuilding uh, an entire episode but i want to do that so look for that thanks again for everything you guys do and we will see you in one month for obliette Thank you. Did you like that one,
1: puppies?
2: I made this. 20th
1: Century Fox.
0: Do you want to know the future? Do you want to know what lies ahead? Then call me, the stupendous yappy. For years, I have entertained audiences with my psychic abilities. I have been consulted by Hollywood stars, police departments, even presidents. Now I can be your personal psychic consultant. Do you want to know if you will get that promotion? Do you want to know if your marriage will be successful? Do you want to know where you will meet your one true love? Then call me at 1-900-555-YAP. Remember, the future's close at hand, and so is your phone. So to hear your tomorrow's secrets today, just pick it up. I know you will.